The opinions expressed on this program are solely those of its hosts, guests, or callers, and do not necessarily represent the opinions of WTBR-FM, its management, other producers, or sponsors. All right, good morning and welcome to Morning Drive here on 89.7 WTBR-FM, Pittsfield Community Radio. I'm Sean Sayre here with you on Friday. It's Friday, March 10th already, and uh, you've made it to Friday this week. Uh, Congratulations on that. Nice, bright, sunny day out there again today, although I hear we are going to have a little snow uh, later today and this evening, tomorrow morning. And then a bigger storm coming for us on Tuesday. Interesting. When we get to March, that's when we start talking about the big storms. You know, just the way it goes. Um, We've got a great show here for you today. We have Mr. Joe Derwin, author, historian, researcher, uh, known to some as the home historian and the author of the uh, These Mysterious Hills column, and uh, lots of stuff to talk about with Joe. Looking forward to that. As you know, I'm kind of a sucker for history, uh, so we're going to uh, kind of geek out on that today, this morning, here on Morning Drive. First, let's uh, go to the weather forecast and see what Jacob Klein has in store for us today. Take it away, Jacob. Our forecast from BerkshireWeather.com for Friday, March 10th. Greetings. Today, mostly cloudy, with a high of 42. Tonight, cloudy, a low of 31 with some snow. Tomorrow, cloudy, a high of 38 with light snow. That's your latest WTBR forecast. For more weather forecast and education, go to BerkshireWeather.com. I'm Kim Klein for WTBR, and I hope you all have an amazing day. Cheers, everyone. All right. Thank you, Jacob. We appreciate that. Uh, He says cloudy today, but right now it's sunny, so... It's one of those things, get out there and enjoy it while you can, Uh, but, you know, not bad, not bad. Uh, Not a huge storm, probably a little bit of a nuisance, uh, what, couple inches of snow is what I'm hearing this morning. All right, Joe Derwin is our guest this morning. Thanks for being here, Joe. We appreciate it. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. You bet. Um, so, uh, a couple things to talk about. Good, good stuff. Also going to get into uh, Springside House because I know you're a passionate advocate for that. And that happens to be in the paper today, as a matter of fact. Will the city match $500,000 federal grant? We're going to talk about that in the second half of the show. A little tease for you there. Spoiler alert. I know. They will. <laughs> <laughs> Calling it now. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Well, so... That does uh, occur, though, and you have to you have to get to it. We're going to get to that in the second half. So, first of all, uh, Joe, tell us about yourself, um, how you got interested in the things that you do, writing about history and um, the kind of quirky, uh, weird history that we have here in Pittsfield and the Berkshires, and the kinds of things that you've written about that um, maybe other people have uh, have passed over. Yeah, um, it's been an odd roundabout career process for me um it's certainly um uh yeah i think i you know my entree into local news i think in general Mm. um was uh pretty stark um actually (laughs) my my neighbor my very uh, nearby neighbor was murdered when i was uh, oh no kidding yeah and and this was 1990 when there was like kind of a peak of violence Mm. in pittsfields um and and there was quite a lot of homicides so it was an interesting time to be start to become aware of you know events and that's really when i started like looking at things in the newspaper Mm. for the first time because it was 
you know, this was, uh, you know. Um, Close to home, right? Yeah. yeah so you yeah. want to know what's going on. Um, so, you know, I started looking at newspapers, clipping out things. And then this is, of course, the same year that, um, you know, Jimmy Bernardo went missing. Right. Um, you know, so it was just, um, I think, so it sort of, you know, intrigued me. I think I got off to a different perspective. Hmm. Um, one of the things I found doing local history is people have, um, a ton of nostalgia for the time when they were coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, mine's a little different. Mine was kind of like, I, you know, it didn't seem like it was just the good old days. It wasn't that simple for me. It was, so it was like, hmm. you know, there was, there was kind of an always like, there is a darkness in the Berkshires, yeah. you know, and that was like. So when you think of the good old days, the, the kinds of days that people most likely bring up are the heydays of GE, for example, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, when things were bustling and happening in Pittsburgh. This is, yeah. this is the myth, right? I think, uh, yeah, that's yeah. the main, the mm-hmm. main uh, concept is that there, you know, this peak heyday mm-hmm. of uh, things, 50s, 60s. Yeah. Although I think for, you know, for millennials and things, I've heard people, you know, talk about. Um, the 90s as being mm. the good old days of Pittsfield. Okay. And, and I just remember like empty storefronts and things like that. Yeah, so yeah. It's, That's about uh, your perspective, right? Yeah. Where, I mean, yeah. I think for everybody, there's like a sense of like times were simpler when times were simpler for us, uh-huh. you know, like the world didn't lose its innocence, but we gradually do. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. And uh, it does come from your individual perspective, I suppose, because uh, that that's the time that you remember fondly um, and, and as your memory kind of glazes over clouds yeah. <laughs> over as you get older right Th- those times seem m- more innocent or, or or simple but uh what what you do sometimes is dig into some of those things and you kind of you know lift the veil off of it right and say well there might have been a few other things that you weren't paying attention to during those heydays yeah i, I tend not to trust my own memory i tend mm. to um look to contemporary sources from the time and and what people were saying and thinking about it then um and, uh, and as I'm, you know, now that I'm doing, um, commercial history of properties, mm-hmm. it's, you're, you're following a trajectory of, you know, if a house was built in 1810, you're following that one house through eras mm. and different styles. So you see times change from the perspective of this one tiny point in space, mm. you know? So, um, so tell us what, um, gave you the spark to start that, uh, process. Was there one particular person that uh, came to you and say, hey, I, I think my house uh, has a story to it, has a history that I don't know about. I'd love to find out more, but I don't have the the tools or the expertise to do that. Is that something you could do for me, Joe? Is that how that started or or was it something? Kind of, yeah? but in a very incremental way. I think it was very, you know, I think the first house I ever did a, a, a deep dive profile on was for a, a gift for some friends hmm. 15 years ago or something, a house on Wendell Ave. Um, and then over the years, you know, there was like a trickle of people, you know, people would reach out and it wasn't the primary thing I was doing, but I knew, you know, kind of where to go for the information. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then around the time of the pandemic, um, when the pandemic, I, I was working in the arts full time, the arts vanished for a time, mm-hmm. um, you know, so it was, it was good timing to look at other <laughs> business <laughs> ideas yeah. and, uh, and, and, uh, yeah, so I, I, you know, I tried out doing some of this more mm-hmm. and then, you know, putting the word out for the first time and, yeah. and it, it was like a deluge. There was, there hmm. had been this kind of existing base of people who had just been like dying to know more or hit dead ends yeah. and trying to research their own houses. Cause it is, it is very complicated and it is, um, you know, I found by doing it 
you know, five days a week, I can make it more efficient mm-hmm. than, than it is for the average person trying to do it in their spare time. Um, because I'm, you know, I could be at the library just a whole afternoon and yeah. bulk, I do, you know, several different houses yeah. at a time. So. so, so you have a background in journalism as well, right? So, yeah. and, and, uh, coming from that background, there's probably some, some built in, um, th- there's some wiring in your brain about how to research something. So how, how do you start with something like that? If, um, you, you're coming across, and of course there's a lot of historic homes in Berkshire County and in oh, Pittsfield God, yeah. just because of how long the places existed. Some of those houses, I'm sure, um, you know, the real historic ones, maybe some of those are gone now, uh, over the years, but some of them have persisted and they're yeah. they're still with us and they they have stories to tell right so what what might be your first uh, attempt at looking at something how do you start the whole process I usually start with the the deeds I usually hmm. start tracing the deed chain back um, through all the owners to before there was a structure there when it was original you know this Sometimes it's all the way back to colonial grants. If, mm. if there's an interest in knowing the land prehistory, because mm. I try to cater it to the the homeowner. But so the deed is usually about the land and start. not necessarily the building, right? Yeah, I mean they'll refer to the building, mm. um, but it's yeah, it's it's critical to know kind of the chronology of who sold it to who, and then you could start to go take those names and go to census and um, newspaper uh, data, mm. and you know, but it's. There's no one way to do it. There's houses which the deed chains, you hit dead ends, oh, yeah. you know, a few deeds back because somebody either made a typo or it, it just wasn't recorded, you know, didn't, some of the older deeds, they don't bother to say who they got the land from, mm. so, you know, so you get back to a certain deed and it's just like, we were always here, apparently, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, which was the, the early colonial idea, you know, so it was, a, it, it um, there's no one way. Sometimes yeah. you have to compare maps to permits, records, and you know, search through newspapers for certain names and really try to. Um, but I can all, I can virtually always narrow down the construction date within a five-year period, hmm. um, and it's very often not what you thought it was when you bought your house. The really? assessor dates are wrong about half the time in Is my that experience. Right? Yeah, interesting. So if you bought you a house that would and it be says 1900, it probably wasn't 1900. Wow. Like, why wouldn't they be They accurate? didn't start keeping those records until huh. long after a lot of the houses were built. Uh, um, and, and, and it is this, you know, as I'm finding, it's a great process, hmm. um, which is easier now with digital records hmm. in, in some cases. But they had no idea, you know, so they guesstimated. You look, if you look in the assessor's records for Pittsfield, half the houses that say 1900. Because mm-hmm. it's just kind of like a default. It'll be 1900 <laughs> or 1920 yeah, or 1940. Enough, right? <laughs> that's when a lot of the houses were built. So okay. that's when that street was kind of mostly developed. Yeah. You know, So it's guesses. Um, and about half the time, it's off. Sometimes it's off. I just profiled the house on East Usatonic. was off by 55 years. Wow. You know, so. <laughs> and uh, do some of the same sort of names uh, come back around? Like when you're doing a particular house, you'll see a name that you had seen in another research project that, oh, that absolutely. pulls you in and you're yeah. like, okay, wait, I'm on the I'm on the right trail here because I'm seeing this name and I remember something else about that close by or in another neighborhood or something. Yeah, the longer the longer I do local history, the more interconnection. Um, and it's yeah, there's a kind of glee. There's kind of, oh, I know you. Or, <laughs> yeah, your cousin robbed the bank. Like <laughs> you know, it's kind of because there is a ton of interconnection between people and even between previous residents and you know 
people I know now, mm-hmm. you know, um, casually, you know, I, I kind of know what your, your great grandparents did if your family's been local. So, yeah. uh, it, it can be wild. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. And it, it sounds to me a lot like, you know, the, the, uh, research into houses and properties, which is what you do has some connection also with genealogy and with connections with people, right? As much as because it's not just a house. It's yeah. the people that lived in the house. It's what they did there. It's uh, the kinds of careers they had, right? Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that's what I really am trying to bring t- to clients um, is the the heart and soul of what's happened in their house. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's nice to know sometimes when renovations happen and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but my favorite thing, you know, to be able to give to clients is like exact moments of like, this is what happened in your kitchen on this day. Like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, th- th- this couple, and here's a picture of them announced their engagement, you know, mm-hmm. at a family party on this particular Christmas party. Or mm-hmm. um, sometimes it's, you know, more tragic events than mm-hmm. that. But to just, um, you know, uh, I have a, a, a couple of good friends who live in a house in Lanesboro that was a converted schoolhouse. Mm-hmm. I've done a couple of those. Hmm. Um, and, it, you know, it was neat to see, like, all right, the, po- the old Potter Mountain boys played a concert, basically, in your living room in <laughs> 1933, you know. Yeah. Um, so to have have the moments and the, the events and the lives, yeah. And you can you can piece together a lot of, people's lives from certain eras Mm. Um, because the newspapers were very busybody and you know they said when you were engaged married going on vacation sick at the hospital you know um, and we've tried to tell people that uh, especially younger generations who say well you know it used to be when you went to the hospital they actually reported that in the newspaper who's in the hospital like you would never do that today (laughs) but that was the nature of news coverage in a way that probably helps quite a bit in terms of your kind of research Research, right is to know oh, yeah. every little uh, nugget that you can find like that you can you can attach to the connection yeah I mean I can just look it up and like there's a, there's a old Bob Smith he's getting treated for cirrhosis of the liver <laughs> so we kind of know <laughs> how that went yeah. you know uh, it, yeah wow. it, you can put together a lot and um, uh, and there are you know at different eras I mean in the in the 1920s you see you know certain a lot of uh, prohibition related stuff because mm. everybody was violating the law everybody yeah. was you know so the the raids were all over the berkshires and 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 a lot of the changing sometimes that explains a lot of the oddities architecturally in people's houses mm. I, generally when i we've found hidden doors or or secret rooms or things like that mm. people immediately assume it's like underground railroad but there really wasn't that much underground railroad here what there was was a lot of hiding liquor wow Um, all through you know from the 1800s because we had liquor laws going back and forth and bans and things being a dry state so Hmm. there's this huge property changing history of Mm -hmm. you know half the population trying to break the law and not get caught and how it altered houses hmm. physically um, and root sellers getting turned into other things. So, you know, it was, yeah. it's, it's wild to see how um, all now, these different things affect the property. Yeah. Now are these things um, uh, facets of the houses that the owners generally know about or don't know about, or, or they saw something like, I wonder what that is. And then you're oh, able yeah. to say, well, it's most likely this cause I've mm-hmm. seen this in other houses. Um, I usually start off kind of agnostic and I, 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 you know, I'll see a trap door or something. A lot of times they, they, 
want to show me something, you know, interesting mm-hmm. or, um, or I, I want to see something if they mention it in the email, cause some houses I don't have to visit mm-hmm. to, to figure out what the, what the history is. Um, but yeah, I think, um, you, then I'll try to compare and I'll find, and inevitably I'll, I'll eventually find, you know, if there's a trap door, I'll eventually find there was a liquor raid somewhere mm-hmm. along the way. And that's huh. somewhere in the database. Um, or, you know, it's been recorded. So yeah, generally there, there's, you can, you know, what I can't necessarily, you know, explain is sometimes the whys of certain remodeling and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I can sometimes find out when it happened. Mm. I can't tell you what they were thinking when yeah. they put in that, <laughs> uh, partition or something. But, um, yeah, I think it's, it's, I try to pre- present a comprehensive, um, look at the home physically and, you know, it's kind of emotional family history. Um, a lot of people are surprised by the finding out about the people that died in their houses. Really? Um, because if it's an older house, you almost certainly had a lot of people dying. Sure. Um, that's more likely that where, they, where you know, people die. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't die in hospitals <laughs> yeah. or nursing homes. Yeah. It was right there at home. Which is uh, why I think uh, they had something called a funeral door in a yeah. lot of the older houses, right? It was wide enough for a casket. Yeah, yeah, and, and a lot of um, a lot of bodies were were a lot of funerals were held at home, and, mm. and they lay in state for three days or something. And um, so that's you know mm. it's an interesting dynamic to know about. But even you know newer houses, you know, people still die in their homes yeah. in the two thousands. Sure. So um, and and there isn't really a lot of. I mean, I think there's a kind of a concept that. They they're gonna tell you all the people who died in your house when you buy your house mm. is like the well the wise it's probably not <laughs> high up on the real estate uh, and uh, they don't list. know usually <laughs> you know the disclosure I mean I think there, yeah. there's disclosure laws but they usually go back a couple of years yeah. and they're they're kind of specific I um, would think a lot of realtors wouldn't even want to know that information so that they <laughs> couldn't possibly pass it along yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's starting to change a little bit because yeah. um, realtors are kind of finding home buyers are starting to be more interested in this kind of um and even you know i find even working in like the folkloric areas people are more interested in like owning a haunted house now than they were 20 years ago really 20 years ago it was like i don't want a house that's haunted or somebody now people like are kind of intrigued if there you know was a murder in their house Mm. or something like that they're they're a little bit looking for that um so it's changing in, in real estate <laughs> conversations, um, but it's it's it can be very surprising. And there could be, um, you know, uh, I know um, somebody who uh, sells real estate, and they actually their their uh, mother's home. They had heard like a legend that there was a murder there, mm. and um, that was actually there. There actually had been, and wow. they, they had dismissed it. It's kind of like, you know, a neighborhood story, but it was like you know, front page news at the time. And, um, so Mm. there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that get forgotten that are surprisingly kind of big things you, you know, about your house that just, there's no way of knowing until somebody takes the time to sit down and look at it. Yeah. We're talking with Joe Derwin. He's an author, historian, researcher, uh, known now as the home historian and also the author of these mysterious Hills. And this is, uh, more a morning drive here on 89.7 WTBR FM. Um, so Joe Derwin, tell us about uh, a couple of surprises that, um, sort of even, uh, after all the house, how, how many houses have you, have you done this with a ballpark? Hundreds. hundreds. I, I, yeah, I, I was keeping track up until about 200 and then, 
that was probably a couple hundred ago. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so in that range, yeah. you, you've seen a lot, you've probably seen a lot of ordinary things, but then you've probably gotten a couple of surprises along the way, even things that surprised you. Give, give us a couple of those. One, uh, one was pretty exciting. One, there was a house in Williamstown, um, that was, uh, it, it was a nice, bigger Victorian house. It had been one of the the Sprague mansions, but not their main mansion. So mm-hmm. it was like there wasn't really it hadn't really been researched, even though it was a, a home of distinction. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turned out when I was going back through uh, for the the current owners that um, at one point it had been owned by a secretary at Williams College. And on this one afternoon, some of the brightest uh, diplomatic minds of Europe had they had all happened to be at Williams College for this conference wow. um, in 19 uh, and th- this is just after the Treaty of Versailles and mm. it was like a bunch of the people who were at the, you know at Versailles wow. um, so you have ambassadors you have the um, I forget his name the Czechoslovakian um, the Czech uh, prime minister who mm. shot himself when Hitler rolled in he was oh, there wow. all these people were assembled and, was, and they came to this house f- to hear this guy's daughter play a piano recital you know as just one of the <laughs> nice williams you know extras um for the trip and so you know there's there's this incredible line of people just fresh from this major world event and here they are you know listening to piano and this guy's in, in, in these people's living room wow you know um so that was that was a, like a gold mine find yeah. something that was and w- uh, roughly when was that house built was that a contemporary house to that time period it was, I think that one was about 1890s. Hmm. Yeah, I think it was, uh, it was probably in the database as 1900, hmm. but it was actually 1892 hmm. or something. Um, so certainly it had a long history, uh, even without that one event, right? There must have been multiple different families living in, and staying in that house yeah. over the years. Yeah, so you have chapters kind yeah. of things. At one point, it actually, later in the 40s, it got turned into, very briefly, got turned into like the Air Civil Defense Headquarters for Massachusetts during hmm. a coup within that organization huh. where a guy got the other guy ousted and moved the headquarters from Boston, the only time it was ever moved, to Western <laughs> Mass, and wow. it was briefly on their property. Wow. Um, and that was just, you know, these things were just kind of being lost in the, in sure. the folds of... Uh, so, you know, there's... Yeah, there's... But even... I just did a house that was less than 75 years old mm-hmm. um, that had incredible history. It had ties to um, a piece that ended up in the White House, a piece of furniture. Um, it had hmm. ties to a U.S. Supreme Court case, the largest law firm in Berkshire County. All these things kind of were dynamically intercombined with the story of this house being built. Mm-hmm. So it was like, you know, that was a 1950 house that packed a wall up um, so you just never yeah. know. You never know. There, there's houses that are, you know, 1960s, 1950s that I've done that have had incredible history. Yeah, I was going to ask, uh, does it have to be a really old house to uh, have that nugget yeah. <laughs> of information that you just got to have where you say, oh, wow, that, that happened at my house. No, I, I live here now, draw, but yeah. all this stuff <laughs> happened, and how would I ever know that? Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's the question, and and I do, um, you know, I take it into account. I mean, a younger house, I, I price much mm-hmm. lower than you know, a house mm-hmm. that I'm doing from the 1700s. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, sometimes that can backfire on me in a, in a <laughs> hourly rate kind of way because I've done some houses turn out to be have a lot happens mm-hmm. there in a short span of time, and it depends who lived there. You know, mm-hmm. if you had somebody who was 
doing a lot of things, getting their picture taken in the community and, mm. and you know, uh, either for good or bad things, you know, um, yeah. there can be a big story mm. there. Do you get the information about the builder of the house or the designer of the house usually. sometimes? Yeah, Usually, yeah. yeah. And yeah. does that relate also to other houses maybe either in the neighborhood or in the area or maybe even further away? Yeah, I mean, I think um, some neighborhoods have very common kind of origin stories. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're going over like the Allendale, Allengate um, area, mm -hmm. Pittsfield, you're going to find most of the houses were built by, you know, Harold Bridgman. He was, he developed, you know, and, and they were all, they all went up within a few years mm. of each other. So, and that was, I mean, of course, just, during the baby boom, uh, post-war Yeah, post-baby right? boom, yeah. just hundreds of houses went mm. up all at once. Um, and, you know, so, whereas if you live, you know, somewhere, you know, off of uh, East Street and the Wendell Bartlett, your house could be 1920 or your house could be 1800s. It's, it's a mm. patchwork. Yeah. Um, or the west side, of, west side of Pittsfield is one of my favorite places to do houses. Mm. Such... You never get a dud there. They're really? always lively homes with rich, you know, rich histories. histories so. And and is that because that's just a really old section of town where a lot of history has passed through, or what makes it more interesting? Um, the mix, the the diversity, mm -hmm. the mix of cultures, mm -hmm. the way um, that these different stories of embattled groups. Um, you know, mm -hmm. it, it, it makes, you know, it, it, it makes their histories, I'm sure their lives were harder, but their mm -hmm. histories are much richer and more dynamic mm -hmm. for having um, been, you know, Pittsfield had a lot of discrimination. There was a lot of economic, um, you know, hierarchies. So to see these kind of waves of, um, you know, mm -hmm. Greek, Irish, Chinese, you know, um, you know, all this different melting pot happening mm -hmm. in the, in the West side, uh, it is really incredible. It's really, and how, you know, how they, how they made it in America. It's a lot of those, you know, kind of, um, and some people didn't make it, you know, but that's right. also, you know, I mean, it's historically significant and interesting. Um, so mm -hmm. yeah, the West side is very rich. Yeah. Very rich. And of course we know too, that, uh, Pittsfield has notoriously a, an older housing stock. We hear that quite a bit, which I guess is good in the, in the business that you're in because, you know, um, a, a lot more happens and has happened in those uh, properties and in, in those houses. But at the same time, that becomes a challenge, right? Because um, if you're trying to provide housing for people um, and the housing stock isn't quite up to par, um, that's a, that can be a real challenge for a community. And that's where we sit, right? We don't have a lot of the newer developments. If you think of some of the sort of younger cities and the, the sort of catching fire in the Sun Belt, for example, yeah. where they're building new communities all the time with brand new houses. Now, they'll have histories of their own someday, I'm sure. Yeah. But right now in Pittsfield, this is what we have. Yeah, and it, it, does, it certainly does make uh, for a complex situation. And you know, as I look back, there's been – a succession of housing crisis, you know, I mean, we've hmm. been in a state of not having enough housing for the population, you know, almost continuously since the late 1800s huh. in waves. There'd be yeah. points where we were just like, okay, it's, it's pretty flush. But it, the, the, those are the rarities. It's been mostly like we need, we need, cause we've lost a lot through fire, yeah. of course. Yeah. That's the big problem, eras. right? Especially and, the uh, houses, some of those houses that were all, <laughs> you know, the wooden timbers and the, yeah. what do they call it, balloon construction or whatever, uh, was great at the time. And it was probably easy to, to make, you know, for the tools and the things that they had at the moment. But uh, as far as fire goes, yeah. not great. 
and then we and then we just bulldoze a ton for parking. You know, I mean, yeah. every, people on a lot of my tours ask like, where did people in early Pittsfield live? Everywhere where you see asphalt, that's where people in early Pittsville lived. Huh. You know, First Street and Port Pearl Street, yeah. uh, you know, Fenn, all the downtown areas that are have parking lots were, you know, blocks of houses. Uh-huh. Uh, and a lot of times they were just, built right next to each other too, right? Like yeah. uh, you didn't waste any space. Oh, yeah, there weren't yards. Yeah, yeah there weren't yards. In those, in, Especially you know. in downtown. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we've we've lost a lot through different mechanisms, um, and and we've replaced it in different ways in different eras. We've attempted, you know, like the Victory Hill settlement um, up at uh, Benedict Road um, after the war, and you know, so there's there's a whole lots of different stories in how we just how we address housing, mm. um, but it's it's been an ongoing struggle since the 1700s. Yeah. Uh, but what we don't have in Pittsfield, what I notice is, um, you know, some of the smaller towns. They have, you know, like Lanesboro has a ton of 1700s houses. Hmm. You know, per capita, they have a lot more of the early, early homes than okay. we do. We only have a handful of things that huh. date back to I the won- 18th century. I wonder why that is. What's what's your feeling on that? Um, why did they survive there in the smaller towns but not in Pittsfield? Less traditional economic development. You know, they didn't go through these waves where whole you know neighborhoods and things got changed over mm. uh, as much i mean you know they had because their own maybe factory it was, booms and quarries yeah. and things like that but yeah. not on the level that um you know william stanley and g mm. and the mills in pittsfield mm-hmm. necessitated these huge you know yeah. re- resets basically yeah. of land property because a lot of towns were built around a mill but you always knew where the mill was yeah. the mill was on the river <laughs> yeah. Right. And you might have to do some improvement on that, but for the most part, the residential areas stayed the same. In Pittsfield, it seems like, uh, as you were saying, it, it, uh, there was a need, right? There was, yeah. This was the economic engine of Berkshire County. Same and with North so, Adams, yeah. too. You know, growth is its, uh, you know, if, if towns stayed relatively small, they didn't exceed a few thousand, um, they didn't see that kind of total transformation of mm-hmm. the landscape. Yeah. You know? And when did that mainly happen? Was that a 20th century thing? Um. Mainly, but there mm. were waves. There were mm. certainly waves with the the peak of the mills in you know the Civil War, you know, up to the eighteen seventies. Mm. Um, so there were definitely just waves of of replacing things that uh, you know, especially places like North Street. You mm. know, there are blocks of North Street that have had four or five successions of buildings that were there and either burned or were demolished. And um, you know, most I would say most blocks of North Street have had. Hmm. Several generations of buildings there, um, going back to the, you know, the horse and buggies, yeah. so <laughs> and the trolley cars, right? Yeah. <laughs> We're speaking with Joe Derwin, uh, author, historian, researcher, and uh, known as the home historian. Uh, fascinating conversation. Uh, the first half hour has already gone by and. Uh, we're going to get into some more stuff in the second half, including some talk about Springside House. We talked about that at the very beginning. We'll definitely get to that in just a moment. So uh, let's take that top of the hour break if we can right now. You are listening to Morning Drive here on 89.7 WTBR-FM, Pittsfield Community Radio. And we'll be back with Joe Derwin right after this. Stay tuned for more Morning Drive here on WTBR-FM. It's a revolution! Yeah, baby, yeah! 89.7 WTBR-FM. It's field. 
Support for WTBR comes from Berkshire Community College. BCC provides access to higher education to everyone in Berkshire County and beyond, offering more than 50 high-quality programs, small class sizes, and an affordable education to help their students of all ages achieve their dreams. At BCC, their middle name is Community. And from County Ambulance, providing quality, professional, efficient medical care and medical transportation services to the citizens of Berkshire County. Online at countyamb.com. We all know WTBR is great to listen to on 89.7 FM. But did you know that you can listen to WTBR just about anywhere? We've got a web stream and it's easy to use. Go to WTBRFM.com on your computer and click play. You can use the TuneIn app on your smartphone and connect it to your car's sound system. Or you can use your smart speaker. Just say, Alexa, play WTBRFM, and there's your community radio station. WTBR, for the love of radio. WTBRFM is listener-supported radio. That means we depend on your donations to keep the station on the air. All the local content and the music you love requires your support. You can make your donation today at WTBRFM.com by calling 445-4234 or stopping by our studio at 4 Federico Drive in Pittsfield. You'd be glad you did. Pittsfield Community Radio, for the love of radio. Hello, Phil Tierney here, the host of Berkshire Jazz, where I play all the young tigers and old lions of jazz every Saturday evening from 8 to 10 on WTBR 89.7, Pittsfield Community Radio. Join me Saturday at 8. And if you know someone who likes and enjoys this great American classical music, tell them about us. Spread the word. Jazz is alive and well on WTBR 89.7. Thanks for listening. PSA days are coming. If you know a nonprofit organization that could use a video or radio PSA, then Pittsfield Community Television wants to talk to you. Not only will the PSA run on PCTV and 89.7 WTBR, you'll leave PSA Days with a flash drive with your video and audio on it that you can also use however you wish. PSA Days are March 23rd, 24th, and 25th. So call 445-4234 or email Days at pittsfieldtv.org. PSA Days is supported by Berkshire Community College and Park Square Productions. Radio for people who used to love radio. Welcome back. WTBR. And now back to the morning drive on WTBRFM, Pittsfield Community Radio. All right, we're back on Morning Drive here on 89.7 WTBRFM, and I'm Sean Sayre. Glad to be here with you on Friday, March 10th, and we have Joe Derwin in the studio here today, live and local right here in our studio. We'll get back to our conversation with Joe in just a moment. First, we'll uh, take a listen to our weather forecast and find out what's in store for us today. your WTBR forecast from BerkshireWeather.com for Friday, March 10th. Greetings. Today, mostly cloudy, with a high of 42. Tonight, cloudy, a low of 31 with some snow. Tomorrow, cloudy, a high of 38 with light snow. That's your latest WTBR forecast. For more weather forecasts and education, go to BerkshireWeather.com. I'm Kim Klein from WTBR, and I hope you all have an amazing day. Cheers, everyone. All right, cheers to you, Jacob. Thank you for that uh, report, and uh, 
prepare yourselves, folks, for a little bit of snow tonight, tomorrow, and maybe a little bit more snow Monday night into Tuesday. Uh, but those early March snowstorms, those are the ones that get you. You know, you, <laughs> you think the winter is all over and you could just start to stretch a little and maybe put some patio furniture out. And uh, winter has another idea in yeah. store for you. <laughs> yeah, always seems a little more arduous. That's right. Ill time. <laughs> uh, Joe Derwin's our guest here for the full hour this morning on Morning Drive. And we were talking about uh, his work as the home historian in the first half. And uh, some fascinating stories there for sure. Uh, makes uh, makes for an interesting uh, career in a lot of ways, right? Doing some uh, a lot of research and uh coming up with um, some very interesting results for clients. Uh, f- fascinating. Yeah, it's been, um, you know, I'm not sure I would recommend it to anybody. because uh, <laughs> well, It probably <laughs> takes a special, a special a spark to be able to do that, right? Yeah. career training. But, mm-hmm. it, uh, yeah, it's every day is so fun. And, and I feel blessed to, you know, have people be giving me that trust to, mm-hmm. you know, look at their homes and, and sometimes look around and crawl around in their basements <laughs> and stuff, you know, to really... Um, you know, it's it's a it's a blessing. Yeah, for sure. So you're also uh, the author of These Mysterious Hills. So for people who are not familiar with that, give us a little overview of what that is. Um, These Mysterious Hills goes back to um, a, it was supposed to be a one-off article that I wrote for Glenn Drohan for the old Advocate Weekly for mm. Halloween. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was like kind of just some ghost stories I'd collected. I was living in Phoenix at the time. I wow. wasn't even local. Hmm. Um, and there was, and then I think I wrote maybe one more because it was like the anniversary of some local psychic or something. Hmm. And there was a lot of reader feedback. So Glenn was kind of just, kind of, it was like, why don't you do a column? Why don't you do a column of like weird stuff you hmm. can do, you know, that way you can do whatever, you know, it could be archeology, span Bigfoot, you know, unsolved murders. We got plenty of those. Hmm. Um, and you know, so I was, you know, I thought, all right, well, this'll, this'll last, you know, half a year until I run <laughs> out of material. <laughs> Something tells uh, me you didn't run out of material. Not for many years. Yeah. yeah I still haven't really. So, um, it, it's, it's, it was the, the feet, back from readers actually informed this process, hmm. this amazing dialogue that changed my life um, because I just would put my email in the in the uh, post line of every story and people would reach out. It was hmm. kind of, it was kind of one of those, like, you know, I'm willing to believe you, you know, kind of yeah. thing. So they, they, they uh, reached out to me about the most amazing stories about hmm. their family histories, about hmm. uh, things they'd seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, have you heard about this haunted house? Hmm. So know, um, you know, these are stories on the macabre side. Uh, I would say yeah. mostly, right? And yeah. So, the, what the kinds macabre. of examples, uh, things like that, did you did you hear? Did you follow up on? You got some leads and tips from things like that, and then that those became news stories. Yeah. Oh, um, I mean, everything from organized crime in the Berkshires to uh, endless amounts of haunted inns. Um, mm. You know, I've come to the. You know, there are pr- literally. Um, probably two dozen places you can visit, you know, open to the public that are said to be haunted hmm. in the Berkshires. I'm actually working on a map of that uh, right now um, to help folks out. But, uh, you know, we're, we're rich, you know, per capita. We, you know, I, I think we have more weird stories and stuff once, but they, they weren't really put together. They weren't really, you know, um, celebrated until, 
think the last couple of decades, you saw, you know, the, the Houghton Mansion open up. They started having those ghost tours and the Berkshire Paranormal Group was going around ghost hunting different houses. And mm. there was like this change in dynamic. And, and where and, was the Houghton uh, Mansion? North Adams. North Adams. Uh, yeah, up in North yeah. Adams. Um, I, I, and I understand it's recently been sold to a new party, so mm. I don't know what's going on and there. And that's the one but. down on Church Street, right? Is that the one I'm thinking of? Yeah, that yeah. white, uh, the Masonic Temple. Yes. Um, and beautiful building and uh, and just really became a site um, that people were coming from all over the Northeast to stay for overnights there, mm. go for ghost hunts. And, um, so it, it started to change the tourism narrative, which dictates, has dictated a lot of our history in the Berkshires. You know, um, it, it has been tourist centered and, and therefore it has been Melville heavy, Wharton heavy, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. rich, car, you know, Rockefeller heavy, mm -hmm. um, Gilded Age stuff, yep. you know. Um, so that that never interested me because I felt like it was well covered. Mm -hmm. You know, it's legitimate history. It's, sure. it's important, um, but it's very well covered. Um, so I felt free to move on to all the stuff that, all, you know, has been kind of intentionally excluded. Mm -hmm. And that started, you know, with ghosts and, and you know, uh, unsolved murders and things like that. Uh, and then as I went on and as the 21st century went on <laughs> and, and, and affected me, um, I, you know, social justice became more important mm -hmm. in, in looking at that history. Um, and I think that might be the, my main focus right now as far mm -hmm. as Mysterious Hills mm -hmm. and my macabre Pittsfield tours and things, looking at um, the social narratives and, and the whys and wherefores about women's history about, you know, people of color mm -hmm. and how, um, you know, the, I, I never realized how big the Klan was in Berkshire County. Yeah. It was huge. A couple of they years ago when those crosses, stories were coming they were out. Having, yeah. yeah. So, um, and there was even some history, you know, in Williamstown, which I think was tons, shocking, shocking oh, for tons. people. But how, yeah. how do you not have that history sort of known, generally yeah. known, it just gets buried, right? Yeah, until a couple of years ago, yeah. until a couple of us journalists started, you know, be, and, and a couple of brave editors willing to print it, too, because mm -hmm. maybe there were reporters that tried to pitch this before. Um, but I know John Seven did a story before I did, um, so shout out to him. But, I mean, yeah, Williamstown has a huge uh, legacy with the Klan, and, um, and they met in places like, you know, they met in the Otis Town Hall. They mm -hmm. met in, like you know, uh, Whitcomb Summit, places, major, mm. you know, places that, uh, so there was this legitimate, and, and it's all just been a, kind of expunged from our histories, but it's not, certainly not part of the good old days narrative. No, <laughs> certainly not. So, um, you know, so that's got to be addressed. There's, there yeah. has been, uh, you know, a certain amount of sham in Berkshire history mm. and, and what, um, so my, my so, and why is it important to bring know, that up? Why is it important to make sure people know that that history happened? I mean, I think, uh, you know, a, a, a distorted understanding of history is a recipe for disaster mm -hmm. on every front. Um, you, you, can't have, you can't have a positive outcome future um, with a distorted history. Mm -hmm. It will always hit a brick wall. Mm -hmm. um, and a whitewashed history, basically. Yeah, a, yeah. Total, a whitewashed history. And I think as long as people keep casting back into the past, looking for better times, um, that they're making better with their, you know, their memories. We, we won't build the good old days. We'll mm -hmm. never get to the good old days if we keep, you know, and people have been writing this on stone tablets since, you know, thousands of years ago mm -hmm. that, that, that 
things were better in my day and the kids now have no respect. And, <laughs> and this is just an ancient narrative that our, <laughs> our minds just, it's a natural process yeah, yeah. and we kids just got to get days. over it. <laughs> we have to like realign to, you know, history, yeah. you know, is also horror, you yeah. know, oh, yeah. it's horror. So, yeah. um, well, what did my uh, fortune cookie tell me that, uh, uh, life can only be understood in reverse, but it must be lived forward. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> but you have to <laughs> understand it first, yeah. right? You have to know where yeah. you come from. Yeah. yeah. So it's um, you know, so I've been uh, trying to turn it into a more of a um, less dry, like a walking experience where we can yeah. stand in the places where, um, you know, my first tour explored early Pittsfields, you mm. know, from where how it was like mostly cemeteries in downtown, you mm -hmm. know, and then yeah, tell us uh, about some of those walking tours and you just had some last year and I think you're planning some this year too, is right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I started with the, um, the, the early, the origin story kind of Pittsfield tour. Um, it's like 1800 centric. Um, and then I did a whole tour that's just very 1920s. It was just because hmm. so much happened in Pittsfield, you know, between prohibition, um, demographic changes, mm -hmm. economic changes, um, social everything everything's going on in the 20s such a defining decade yeah. so i had to do just a whole series mm. and wh um, where do you walk for something like that it's a lot around uh, mostly downtown pittsfield yeah yeah um central kind of places um and uh some in some cases we're standing you know in a parking lot where something used to be because uh, that's the nature of <laughs> urban renewal but mm. um but it, you know we try to invoke the the like the sense of place uh, of these stories so it's it's not just a, an abstract and um and now i think this year we're going to be branching out i'm going to be working with some some collaborators uh hopefully to delve into more recent history hmm. which i think might be the most dangerous thing i've <laughs> ever done i'm getting into people's the, real good old days uh -oh, now and, and yeah. the, the history where memory. people might still be alive to tell you well that wasn't the way it yeah, happened yeah that's right? not the way i remember <laughs> it i'm i'm bracing myself for yeah, a lot of that yeah well, one of the interesting things I saw online from a story that was uh, that was done about you was uh, the the uh, old graveyard that was to the north of uh, Park Square that yeah. I I didn't realize that you know going back far enough and that makes sense because uh, when you were just establishing a community usually you had you know you had a church you had a town hall mm -hmm. you had a post office probably and you had a graveyard mm -hmm. um, and and usually those weren't too far away because it wasn't like you had vehicles yeah. and, you know uh, who could really you know take you far away outside of town so that that was um, uh, tell us where that was and and then how it got to being not there anymore. Yeah, well, it started. Uh, Thomas Allen started giving gave a little bit of land um, as in the late 1700s uh, off of his property, right by the church, mm -hmm. um, to begin burying um, some of the early um, citizens. And we quickly kind of outgrew that. Eventually, um, that burying ground uh, went as far as um, almost Fen Street, mm. at least uh, School Street and Allen. So, you know, a lot of the buildings, the police station, City Hall, these are all built where, mm. you know, with cemetery. Um, then they moved to the space near the Common, mm. which uh, began, they began burying dead there uh, when it was a prisoner of war camp. Wow. When uh, the Pittsfield, uh, from there all the way to Maplewood was just, mm. you know, for 1812 war prisoners. Interesting. Wow. And um, and then they kept that on as cemetery land until the 1850s, 
And, um, and then the Catholics, uh, the French Catholics needed their own cemeteries over on Melville Street. So mm. they had a burying ground, and that lasted. They didn't move all those until the late 1890s. No kidding. Um, and that so, would be that area of the parking lot outside the Boys and Girls Club and that area where the church and the, uh, the Notre Dame church was. And Yeah, I have to look yeah. at a map. Yeah, it yeah. was either that or under where the, um, the rectory on that side of it was. Mm. Um, so, yeah, you know, and, hmm. and that always intrigued me that people, you know, different churches had to have their own, you know, the Baptists and the Congregationalists, and they were all yeah. <laughs> because they lived on the same street while no, they're alive, yeah. but, but they were, were their own community, right? <laughs> yeah. That's the, um, you had the French church, the Irish church, the Italian church, and of course you had uh, the cemeteries that went along with them. Yeah. 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 So there's, um, and then, um, you know, this moved to, eventually there was this realization we need big space, mm. you know, we're going to be around for a while and the population keeps growing. So that's when, you know, Wakona Street and the, the cemeteries out that way started to to grow. Um, Interesting. But it was it was a process. So yeah. It was a controversial, heated, you know, process. And, and More controversial were, yeah. than bike lanes on North Street. I don't know if anything's more controversial. <laughs> Sadly, <laughs> I don't know if anything can be. But that's, yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of the irony is that ne- these are the things we fight about now, yeah. bike lanes. So, like, people are literally grave robbing <laughs> and, you know, redlining and segregating <laughs> schools and burning stuff down. Uh, it protests, you know. But n- now it's bike lanes. That's Well, that's got to be an improvement. Yeah, I mean, I guess fight yeah. about something smaller if you got to fight. <laughs> We're speaking with Joe Derwin, author, historian, researcher, and um, talking about these mysterious hills. Let's move on because we only have a little time left to talk about Springside House because that's – talk about something that um, somehow is controversial, uh, whether to accept a uh, $500,000 federal grant to uh, put into Springside House to uh, do restorations and to keep one of our oldest properties and most historic properties uh, viable here in the city of Pittsfield. Talk about that. Yeah, well, I think I think ultimately it's um, it won't be very controversial when it goes to a final vote. I think um, I attended the finance committee meeting um, to listen last week, um, and it seemed like there was some misunderstandings about you know just how to finance it. What mm-hmm. I was hearing was that everyone supported it. Mm-hmm. There's just a couple of counselors that aren't sure about using the particular you know funding source that the administration suggests. Mm. Um, so, you know, but I think what I learned from years going on, 12 years, 13 years now, uh, dealing with Springside House and throughout the Community Preservation Act uh, ballot mm-hmm. initiative where that was one of the major focal points, people aren't, the average constituent doesn't care which pot of their tax money because it's all coming from their tax money. Mm-hmm. They're not mm-hmm. that concerned about how it's funded. There, people want this done, and this project is dragged on, mm. to quote uh, Councillor Persup, at a snail's pace. Mm. Um, and, you know, so I th- people want it done, and I don't think the free cash versus capital budget versus, I think that's really abstract for most Pittsfield residents. Well, inside baseball. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, I'm, but, but that's, this council likes to debate minutia. Mm. Um, I think we've seen that tendency. So they think they, they're into, these kind of little things that aren't, you know, so mm. important to mm-hmm. the. So in the at the end, I think the headline, you know, will be, you know, the majority of the council votes in favor of, mm. you know, because to to not uh, match 
with city funds would mean to lose not only a half a million dollars yeah. in federal money, but also this prestigious grant. I mean, mm-hmm. this is this is the grant that did the colonial. This is what brought yeah. Hillary Clinton Save to America's Pittsfield. Treasures, you know, right? um, yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. this is a big dot deal. Yeah. And then know? also um, the the fact that you could lose uh, potential grants in the future. Because if you're not going to accept this, well, yeah. we'll just pass you over for the next one because we know it's not going to work here. Um, tell us a little bit about Springside House and what makes it special. What makes it deserving as a project that we should save? Well, Springside House, I mean, as I told the council last week, it, it's an enviable position for mm-hmm. the city to be in. You have this 20-room mansion with a satellite campus of buildings right in the middle of you know Pittsfield's largest most biodiverse park you have mm. this park city park where there's already you know easily a dozen organizations doing good things mm-hmm. doing good important community things from youth sports you know um, to agriculture arborism mm. you know they're growing uh, the first municipal uh, chestnut seed orchard in mm. Massachusetts was is planted up there. We're bringing back a whole species of tree. Mm. You know, it's a big deal. So um, there's all these organizations. There's amazing programming that's happening. Um, it's been challenged over the years by lack of indoor space to go with it. That's yeah. one of the things we heard all throughout the master plan process was this lack of um, available complementary space. Mm. So it's it's ripe to be used for to do really good things, mm. to, to make this a community building. And that's what it was. It was the headquarters of the Parks Department. Right. It was, you know, the place out of which all these great community, you know, th- those are the kind of places where we built community, yeah. you know, where we integrated sports and we did, um, you know, we provided free fun for kids. Mm. I mean, what, what better purpose could a building have? Yeah. Um, as a home historian, what would you talk about that house? Uh, uh, looking back at, at its history uh, around the Civil War is when it was built, right? Yeah, pre-Civil War, mm. 18, um, going back to one of Pittsfield's most important builders, Abraham Burbank. we got streets and parks named after him. Not a lot of his buildings are left. Not a lot of things really? that he built um, survive. There mm. are a few. Um, but he came to Pittsfield's with, you know, as the story goes, he came from Springfield with just a, a shirt tied up in a bindle and 50 cents to his name (laughs) and um you know eventually he built hundreds of houses hotels blocks you know um and he bequeathed a lot to the city gave back a lot of the land and um you know the whole evening side neighborhood Mm. you know uh, on the other side of north street so a real pittsfield success story this guy yeah yeah an important part of pittsfield important Mm. builder sometimes controversial bill i mean i think every every era has had development you know, mm. uh, back and forth mm-hmm. between the city and builders. So, but, was, it, uh, was it built for a particular family? Um, it was built, he kind of built it as his own, but he gave mm. it, he sold it pretty quickly on. Mm-hmm. And then it, it was mostly summer residences for mm. some notable families, um, industrialists. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then um, in 1939, it got donated to the Miller family, um, donated it to the city with the land, uh, the estate around it. Mm. And, it and then was the became, estate all of Springside Park? Was no, it, no, not? actually not. Okay. Only um, that portion, uh, what was originally the Pierce, uh, the, uh, there was the Pierce lot and then the Stevens lot. Um, and what was originally Springside Park was just 10 acres down around the pond. Okay. Um, uh, around, and that was the start of it. And then the Millers added um, more 30 years later. Mm. Um, and then we got uh, another uh, land donation a few 
years after that. And so it kind of grew as a patchwork. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there was land lost to read middle school. They took land out of the park right. and replaced it with other land on the Benedict. So the park shape mm. has, has changed <laughs> a lot. Um, but Springside House has been a part of it for um, over, you know, 80 years now. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of it, for youth and, mm. you know, recreation and gathering the community together. Mm. So what do you see as the restoration of the house uh, for this $500,000 federal grant that will be matched uh, in city funds and then other funds have, have funneled in to, to make this all happen? What, what's the end goal for Springside House? Uh, well, the end goal, um, and this will be a phase towards that. This won't get mm. us all the way there. But um, the end goal is a, is a reopened house um, that is, you know, it, it, the public made it clear they want to see a use that is beneficial and and consistent with the park uses. So it's not going to just be like law offices mm. or something. It won't <laughs> be something just random. Mm -hmm. um, it, it will be something that it fits in that environment. Um, and ideally, I mean, I, I would ideally like to see something that's kind of multi-use that has, um, it, it functioned in an amazing way with not only the parks department having space there, but probably, you know, it, at its peak, maybe 10 or 12 other organizations mm -hmm. had offices or storage or things going mm -hmm. on there. Something um, complementary to land conservation or arborism or the other yeah. kinds of activities that are going on in the park. Yeah, that's the direction yeah. I think the park is. That that's what the the master plan. You know, mm. this is what we need to work for. Uh, we've we've got it's it's good with the athletic. Mm -hmm. You know, we have a softball complex and the baseball. We have a good amount of athletics, but we need to re-shore uh, mm. up these agricultural nature educational opportunities. Yeah. And what kinds of things does the house need the most at this point in your experience? Uh, because certainly it's an old house, right? And uh, yeah. as we know, if a lot of them haven't survived, that means that you have to do things to this house to make sure that it can survive. What kinds of things does it need? Um, it's it's essentially all interior stuff now. Mm. Um, it, it's And it's been stripped down a good bit. Um, so... You know, I'm I'm not an expert exact in in the full construction process, mm -hmm. but I know I've been observing. Um, you know, the process with the exterior. There was foundation. There was roof work that had to be done. Um, you know, so there's there's been a lot of stabilization. The entire uh, repainting. I mean, it had to be mm -hmm. lead abatement stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, ultimately there may need to be an elevator, um, mm. put into it depending on the, the usage going forward. So I think part of what this money will fund, um, is also bringing in, um, a historic architect again to, as we get to the final phase of planning, um, and really, you know, sit down with community stakeholders and shape exactly what the building operation will look like. Then we'll know mm. exactly what it's going to cost and what we have to do to make yeah. it, yeah. Well, just imagine there's going to be uh, someone 50, 100 years from now looking back at newspaper clippings about how the Springside House was saved and then looking uh, back further at the history of the house, right? History yeah. moves on. You think about that and all the, all the things that we'll be sort of planting right now for someone else to dig up 100 years from now. That's it, you know, because this <laughs> has been a process going back to the 90s, you know, mm. and we've, we've, uh, we've lost Park family along the way, and they knew, you know, um, 
we all know kind of that we're planting trees, you know, under whose shade we may not sit. Mm. But uh, hopefully we keep mm-hmm. the Friends of Springside, keep a, a, a history binder of things that go back 30, 40 years. So hopefully they'll still be keeping that 50 years and there'll be a Friends of Springside and mm. yeah, we'll be looking back. There were some fascinating documents, and we could almost do a whole show on that uh, that were found, you know, up in the upper floors of Springside House as the renovations were starting. And just amazing the kinds of things that they kept track of, again, in those heydays, right, the 40s, 50s, 60s, and when the parks uh, were um, just very, very vibrant uh, and and activities were happening and they someone kept really really good detail of these things all the parks department hoarders they keep everything it's great (laughs) it's great as a historian yeah (laughs) um so joe derwin great talking to you today i knew it would go by fast um if people want to get a hold of you uh with your activities with the home historian or springside house or anything else how do they do that Uh, i would just go to my website thesemysterioushills.com um or you can find me on facebook as the home historian or these mysterious hills um Email, don't call. <laughs> <laughs> Always more efficient. Uh, all right. We appreciate it. It's uh, great, and good luck with everything going on, especially with the upcoming stuff in uh, 2023. Thanks, yeah. All right. Great. All right, everybody. Have a great day out there, and uh, have a wonderful weekend. Uh, avoid uh, breaking your back on the shoveling of the snow. Take care, everybody. Oh.